The American Council of the Blind presents ACB Reports, a monthly news magazine containing topics of interest to people who are blind or have low vision. I'm Mike Duke. This month... The American Council of the Blind is taking the General Services Administration to court. And how can the National Library Service help you identify paper currency? Welcome to ACB Reports for May 2014. General Services Administration, GSA, is a federal agency with which independent contractors must deal in order to do business with the government. Some of these contractors who are blind are finding that the GSA's registration website is not accessible. ACB's Eric Bridges explains. On April 22nd, the American Council of the Blind, along with three blind federal contractors, filed suit against the General Services Administration, it's also known as GSA, regarding an inaccessible website called SAM.gov. SAM.gov is a website that GSA operates that independent federal contractors utilize and many, many, many organizations and individuals utilize as they receive grant funding from the government. Independent federal contractors that are doing business with the government have to register each year in order to be able to invoice and all that other stuff. Uh, it has a pretty fundamental impact on their ability to um, maintain their livelihood. So ACB, along with three blind federal contractors, an individual in Washington, D.C., an individual in Bethesda, Maryland, and one in Sacramento, California, over the last eight or so months have had no success in independently renewing their registration on SAM.gov, and thus were really not able to continue on in their contracting opportunities, which is a big deal. And so as we were hearing about this, we reached out to an organization called the Washington Lawyers Committee, which is based in Washington, D.C., and they work with organizations and individuals who have any number of human rights but also civil rights challenges. And what, what the Washington Lawyers Committee does is connect these individuals with a network that they have created of very large law firms that have a, a presence in Washington, D.C. And so as we were becoming aware of all of this, we developed a relationship with the Washington Lawyers Committee and also got these individuals involved. And uh, the Lawyers Committee uh, identified a law firm, Sutherland, Asbill and Brennan, to be exact, that was interested in working with us to file a, a class action suit against the government, against GSA in particular. This has been an issue um, that has been ongoing. Before the, the suit was filed, there were meetings between the lawyers and GSA to try and uh, get GSA to make the necessary updates and uh, make the, the site accessible to 
these individuals, who, by the way, are, are all screen reader users. For whatever reason, GSA elected not to do that, and for a whole host of reasons. Um, a couple of administrative complaints were even filed under Section 508 of the Rehab Act, which I know that we've talked about before. The challenge with Section 508 complaints is that they are administrative and they take a long time to go through the process to eventual sort of resolution. In fact, in many federal agencies, they never really are resolved. So a decision was arrived at that we would file a class action suit along with these three individuals as an organization, um, ACB, under Section 504 of the Rehab Act, which is what we did with the accessible currency case as well as the Social Security case that we brought uh, back in 2009. And uh, it allows us more leeway. Um, this is the, you know, the first time that we've filed suit against a government agency regarding uh, an inaccessible website. GSA is charged with ensuring that all of the non-defense procurements within the government are done with accessibility in mind. So it's uh, what they're doing here is a little bit of do as I say, not as I do. And it is something that many, many blind federal employees and also blind federal contractors have been struggling with for years, um, either at their jobs at, at federal agencies or trying to work as an outsider with a federal agency, not being able to utilize websites either internally or the public-facing websites. Now, you mentioned Section 508, and just in layman's terms in one sentence, it, 508 basically says if you're a government entity, your website has to be accessible. Is that is that it? Um, essentially, yeah. It's a little more broad than just websites. Uh, Section 508 speaks to the procurement of technology broadly. So websites would certainly fall into that category. But also, you know, hardware such as telephones, telephone systems, documents, and other technology that would be procured as well. Obviously, ACB felt that even though we'd filed the 508 complaint, that uh, this still needed to be pushed up a little bit. So, Exactly. Two of the three individuals filed their own Section 508 complaints late last fall. And here we sit in April, and uh, really nothing has been done to push those complaints forward at GSA. And so we elected to move forward with this lawsuit to bring attention to the clear lack of commitment that GSA has made to making accessibility a core component of their development and design process, in particular with SAM.gov. Do you have yet a timetable uh, as far as when the suit will be heard and of course after that it's another game of hurry up and wait I guess but sure it all depends the government will have roughly a month to answer our complaint and then from there we'll see where it goes stay tuned for further developments this is something that I know a lot of individuals have really wanted to see happen you know within ACB but in the broader blind community as well. It's always a challenge, in particular with federal employees, getting them to file suit against their employers because, you know, there are some 
potential employment implications that can happen, even though they're not supposed to happen. Um, the fear of retaliation is very real. So utilizing this method and looking at this website for federal contractors, we thought was a really good way to go about getting this whole broader issue of inaccessible technology, um, the visibility that it sorely needs. Is there any update that you want to mention on any part of the discussions that were held during the legislative seminar in February? Sure. Well, we've got 10 co-sponsors for H.R. 4040, which is the Alice Cogswell and Ann Sullivan Macy Act. That's the special education legislation. So we're doing well there. And um, I would just encourage folks to reach out to your members of Congress this spring, in particular over the Memorial Day time frame when many of them will be coming back to hold town halls. You know, this is an election year. They will be back in the state a lot more this spring, summer, and fall than they are in off election years. So get appointments when they're back in the, in the district and their district offices. Attend their town halls and raise the importance of the needs of blind, visually impaired kids, you know, kindergarten through 12th grade. H.R. 4040. That was Eric Bridges, Director of External Relations and Policy for the American Council of the Blind in Arlington, Virginia. Send your suggestions or comments regarding ACB reports to the American Council of the Blind, 2200 Wilson Boulevard, Suite 650, Arlington, Virginia, 22201. During the ACB Legislative Seminar in February, National Library Service for the Blind and Handicapped Director Karen Kenninger gave an update during which she discussed a money identifier project that the agency will begin later this year. Ms. Kenninger was introduced by ACB President Kim Charlson. I am truly honored to have the opportunity to introduce a colleague who I respect highly, an individual who I think ACB is incredibly pleased to know is at the helm of the National Library Service for the Blind and Physically Handicapped because she knows what being a patron of a library program is all about because she is one herself as well as a professional in the library field. So it's truly an honor for me to introduce to all of you someone who will listen, someone who hears what we're saying, and someone who knows how to administer and operate a program providing special services for people who are blind and visually impaired in this country. Welcome, Karen Kenninger. Thank you, Kim. It is an honor to be here today, and I really appreciate the work that you all are here to do in Washington, D.C. I know that your work is noted because I used to follow you along when I was in VR. I'd come in April, and they'd say, oh, you've already been here. But no, no, no. I know it's because you guys have already been there. I wanted to give you an update on what's going on at NLS. 
first of all, the budget is always a major concern for NLS and everybody. And as you know, last year there was that wonderful thing, the sequester. And we got a 5.2% cut in our budget from 50 million something down to 48 million something. This year, they restored 3.6% of our budget. So we're up a little. We're still down from about 1.6% or so from where we were, but we are up a little bit. So we are, we're glad about We got about the same treatment, a little bit better actually than the whole Library of Congress. And that is because you are visible and it is because people hear the value that you place on this national program and they pay attention. So I want to thank you for that and for your continued support of NLS's budget because it is with dollars that we get things done. One of the other things that this organization lobbied for and actually sued the Treasury Department for, as you will, I'm sure, recall, is accessible currency. And it's been a while coming. However, the National Library Service is partnering with the Bureau of Engraving and Printing in a kind of a stopgap measure. They're not ready to release accessible currency yet. They tell me it takes 10 years to roll over one currency design. And I think they're working on the $100 bill or something. I don't know, <laughs> which I don't see very many of. But what they are um, doing in the interim is developing currency readers and distributing. They're going to make these currency readers available to anybody who is blind or visually impaired who wants one. So in order to make that happen, they've done two things. One of them is to develop one that works with iPhone and possibly Android. And they had an original one that was not as good as the commercial version that was on the market. They released a new one. I haven't tried it. However, what they're also going to do is to provide the hardware currency readers that you slide the corner or the end of a dollar into and it'll tell you what it is that you can carry around in your pocket. They're going to make those available, as I said, to anybody in the United States who is eligible, basically, for NLS services. That's the eligibility criterion that they're using based on blindness or visual impairment. People with reading disabilities probably don't need uh, dollar readers. They probably already can read their dollars, even if they have trouble with other things. So what we're going to be doing is partnering with BEP to distribute these currency readers and the way that it's going to work initially is that this summer at the conventions, Bureau of Engraving and Printing and NLS will be there. And anybody who is a current library borrower who wants to sign up for NLS services will be able to get one of these things. They'll be handing them out to qualified people at the conventions. The first six months from July through December will be a pilot that will focus on NLS patrons. They figure that's where the majority of people are who really will be able to benefit from this program. You don't have to be an NLS patron to get one. Starting in January of next year, there will be an application process, again, based on NLS criteria, but a somewhat separate process. So people will be able to sign up for NLS services and get a currency reader, or people will be able to sign up for NLS services and not get a currency reader if they don't want one. Or they'll be able, and this is the new part, basically, to sign up for the currency reader, unfortunately, without NLS services. We're trying to get more people to use these services, and so this is one way that we think we're going to be able to do that. But anyway, it's going to bring the currency reader to anybody who wants one. So watch for that at the uh, convention this summer, 
and more on that as it evolves. We've hired a project manager, today's his very first day actually, to um, handle our side of the project and BEP is well on their way. They've already signed the contract to get the currency readers developed or made anyway. So anyway, that's um, certainly coming. Since I spoke to ACB last, we did release our Bard mobile app for the iPhone and iDevices. That's been going very well. We've had good reviews on that. We don't have the Android one done yet because of issues with Android and accessibility, but we are working on that, and we're hoping that this year is its year to roll out the first version of the Android one because I know there are some real serious Android users as well as iPhone and iDevice users. We're also looking at just some upgrades to the iOS device. And I think one of the things that definitely on the table, aside from some bug fixes and those things that programmers work on, is a sleep switch. Because I know that's the one thing that everybody's like, why didn't you put a sleep button in there? Well, we're going to. One of the, the emphases that I have brought to NLS is my belief in Braille literacy. And to that end, we have just hired a Braille officer. We haven't had a Braille officer. Judy Dixon's been filling in that position for a long time. We've hired another person to help out with that project, with Braille in general. Uh, her name is Tamara Rory. Her whole job will be Braille at NLS. And meanwhile, last summer we had, in conjunction with Perkins and Kim's uh, great assistance, we had the Braille Summit. And we looked at what is needed in the NLS Braille program. That will be a blueprint for the Braille officer going forward, as well as for the NLS Braille program. The report is just about through publications and media and going to be released pretty soon. So, Another thing that we have done just starting this month with regard to talking book topics and Braille book review, we've been listening to patrons and we've been listening to how people use Braille book review and talking book topics, and we have changed its format so that we can do three things. One of them is that we go back to the 50-word annotation. The second thing is that we can actually put in more titles. And the third thing is that you will be able to find what you're looking for because we have reorganized it so that all of the genre titles are together. So if you are a romance reader, you don't have to read through the crime stuff to find your romances, or vice versa. Another of the emphases that I have brought to NLS is the desire to have more titles in our collection. We have, for many years, done 2,000 to 2,100 audio titles a year and up to 500 Braille titles a year. And that's how our budget worked, that's how our processes worked and all of that. But it's really not enough books when you consider how many books are published in a year. So we are looking at ways to expand our production to bring more books to our readers and more options. One of the ways that we're doing that is reducing the time that the books that we've produced takes to get through the system. So if you see something in the catalog that says in process, you're not going to have to wait two years before you see that thing on barter on the shelves. Um, actually, we've reduced that to about four months, which that means complete narration and everything. So that's a major improvement. We have also begun to work in a different way with commercial producers of audiobooks. So we have implemented a 
agreements with Hachette, Scholastic, and Audible at this point so that we can get, at no cost to NLS, copies of their digital files that have their books. That doesn't mean that we're going to be able to do every single title that you might see on Audible for a number of reasons, but it does mean that we'll have access to and be able to select from these commercial audiobooks as part of our own program, and that will reduce the cost of production for those particular books because we won't have to pay to have them narrated. And the advantage here is that we're going to be able to get books done more quickly, especially really popular books. We're also going to get them done a little bit less expensively, and that means we're going to have a few dollars extra to do some of the other things that we might have done otherwise but didn't have the time or the budget for, which means we should have more books as well. Because we plan to continue our narration programs with our vendors, we're not cutting back on that, so we're going to end up having more books. That's our goal, and having them in a more timely manner. That's, that's the other part of that goal. In conjunction with that, we are, of course, looking at a lot of options for increasing titles. We're looking at new ways of getting Braille produced, possibly changing some of the ways that we have done it. Right now, we have plate production, you know, the embossing plates only for our books, and we have um, the whole process done in one place. We're looking at finding vendors who might do part of the process. We're, we're, we're going to start looking at really expanding that whole process in order to get more Braille available. The third thing, or another thing that we're working on, is local materials on BARD. The network libraries, including Kim's, I must say, do an outstanding job of narrating and re recording books. And a lot of it is regional materials, but some of it is patron requests, and some of it is just other things that are of interest for one reason or another. There are thousands of those books out there. And we want to make those books more readily available to our patrons. So we're working on making sure that all the processes work, and we're putting, we're beginning, just barely beginning, we've got three of them, including one from Massachusetts, yes, up on BARD so that if you're a BARD user, you'd be able to download them directly into your iPhone or your other devices. And if you're not a BARD user, your network librarians are going to be able to see these books much more quickly and more readily. They'll have one place to go and look for things for you that aren't in the regular NLS catalog. Well, and they'll be in the NLS catalog, too. So there will be more high-quality materials available because of this outstanding work of the network libraries. I'm very excited about that. We've had network library produce Braille on Web Braille for quite a long time, and this is moving into both books and magazines for audio. The goal is to get more material available through the NLS program, more titles, more options for the readers out there. As you all know, the Marrakesh Treaty passed last summer, and that was a, a very exciting and very important treaty. It has now to be ratified, and your guess is as good as mine, maybe better, with regard to the ratification likelihood in the United States. That's the next step for us as blind people in getting global access to materials is that treaty. 
ratification is the next step here in the United States. It's been signed, but it needs to be ratified. And we have to have 20 countries to ratify it before it will become effective at all. And I don't know if any of them have at this point. Those are the big things that are happening at NLS at this point that I thought of this morning. I think I'm done, so thank you very much. Karen Kinninger, director of the National Library Service for the Blind and Handicapped, was recorded in February of this year in Arlington, Virginia. You've been listening to ACB Reports, heard on radio information services nationwide, on side four of the Braille Forum cassette edition, and throughout the world on acbradio.org. ACB Reports is produced at Radio Reading Service of Mississippi, a service of Mississippi Public Broadcasting. Send suggestions and comments about this program to reports at acbradio.org. Contact the American Council of the Blind online at acb.org or phone 800-424-8666. Thanks for listening, and please join us again next month for another ACB Reports.